0: um inspired to give this talk after I'd been to the seniors camp. You, know, you mightn't believe this, but I'm allowed to go to seniors camp. Um, I thought I'd better start going because they might start saying you're too old. But um, anyway, I was at camp and uh, Danny Collett was giving a, a talk, a talker who was running the show, and uh, he talked about how that... Uh, he went to, I think it was lawn bowls. I think he was helping some people even older than him uh, with the lawn bowling, and um, he witnessed to somebody there, and the guy said, um, oh, we've got somebody from your church here. And uh, so uh, he said, well, how do you know that? You know, it turned out to be uh, John Williams. And, uh, but he said to the guy, how did you pick up we're from the same church? He said, oh, it was the, the key word. Fellowship. And uh, so anyway, he went on about that and it's certainly good. And it's part of our name. We're called the Revival Fellowship. And uh, the fellowship is fantastic, second to none. But I want to talk about the other part of our name here today, and that's about revival. And uh, in fact, if we didn't have some revival, there wouldn't have been any fellowship. And, uh, I look, I think back to when I came to the Lord, it was nearly 65 years ago now. You didn't realise I was that old, did you? Uh, some thought I was older. But anyway, actually, there was a brother turned 100 the other day up in, uh, in Gawler, and, um, he made himself a backstrap scratcher. And he, because he thought I wasn't far behind, he made one for me as well. But it's it's got a massive scrubbing brush about this long and about that that wide and it's sort of screwed to the end of this stick and so on. But it looks like a giant toothbrush. So I thought he must have thought I had a big mouth. But no comments, thank you. Okay, anyway, I better get down to the scriptures because half the time's gone already. Okay, so let's go to Mark sixteen. That's a good place to start, isn't it? So <clears throat> Uh, I want to talk about Holy Ghost revival and uh, <clears throat> that is uh, quite distinct from uh, other sorts of revival and um, so we, we're starting in Mark 16 and we read the story of uh, Jesus being uh, uh, raised from the dead and uh, and then he appeared to some of the disciples and we we'll start in verse 14, afterwards he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and appraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed, <coughs> they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils, they speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." So that after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. So I wanted to read all of that just to summarise it a little bit, that uh, the the disciples, even that had been with Jesus and heard all of these many promises that he made that he would rise from the dead, didn't believe it when it happened. And so he uh, rebuked them for not believing the others that had already seen him. And then he said to them, now you go out and preach the gospel. You go out and tell the good news that I've been raised from the dead uh, to every creature. Go out to everybody and and tell them this. Now, no one person can do that, of course, and we've got a lot more around than there were in those days as well. But then after at the end of it, the last verse that we read there, they went forth and they preached everywhere. And so they were doing their best in their time to get to everybody that they possibly could to tell them the good news. And that's an example for us in our time and in our part of the world. We're to go forth and preach everywhere that we possibly can. And the Lord will work with us and he will confirm the word with science following. So, what we are to preach is the word. <clears throat> and I think sometimes we give people the wrong impression. They think that it's all about if you speak in tongues, you're going to go to heaven. Well, the Bible says if you, if you, you speak in tongues and you don't exercise love, you're in big trouble. But um, it is certainly that uh, speaking in tongues is a big part of it all. Certainly, the beginning when you start off and continue on. As well, so it's about confirming the word with signs following, and uh, as it came out in the prophecy, uh, the uh, I'm going to turn to that exactly now in John chapter, uh, Gospel of John chapter one and verse one. In the beginning was the word. Of the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it's talking about Jesus Christ here. And over in verse 14, we read, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so, uh, just uh, a little uh, word here about, if we go back to verse 2, The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life and that life was the light of men. And so it tells us that there's something really special about this one man. He was the word made flesh, and we'll explain a little bit and more about that as we go along. And uh, that down in verse 14 we read that as well. But I want to take you over to the first epistle of John. <coughs> uh, as usual, I've probably got more uh, verses than most. And... Uh, uh, I sympathise, got a, a dear brother who often gives a little talk at the uh, Tuesday morning meeting at the Vogue and um, he was on last Tuesday morning and um, he was sort of, he's all the time apologising oh how am I going to get through all of these scriptures and everything he admitted that he'd actually written down 50 scriptures but that there was an end time there and I think there's one here too uh, when it gets dark but anyway, so <laughs> that. Anyway, uh, I, I keep doing that as well. And we go to the first epistle of John, and chapter 1 and uh, and verse 1. And uh, it says here, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Now, I wanted to share this with you because I'd often p- pondered about this particular passage is this talking about the Bible? But I've sort of dawned on me. I've only been around for 65 years, and I'm a bit of a slow learner. But I'm now convinced that here's the Apostle John, who amongst the, with the others that followed around with Jesus, a select few, they had actually seen him, and they they'd lived with him, and so on. So we we'll read it again. He said that they. Uh, they had seen him with their eyes and they'd looked upon him and they'd touched him with their hands. And <clears throat> this was the word of life, talking of Jesus. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So it wasn't uh, just for them. It was for people he was writing to in his generation but has been preserved so that we can enjoy it too. So here is an eyewitness that was there with Jesus for three and a half years, all that he said, saw all the miracles he performed, saw him again after he was risen from the dead. He was there. Uh, when Jesus was caught up into heaven and the angels came and said, well, uh, why are you looking up into heaven? You've got a job to do. Get out there and preach the gospel, because that same Jesus is going to come back again. So we've got the record of what the Apostle John had to say, and we understand he is also the one who wrote the book of Revelation, so he uh, seemed to feel that he was a a, a special uh, one of Jesus' disciples, I guess they probably all felt that. But if we go down in verse 7, but if we walk in the light, that's for us now, as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So there we go, that word again. We have fellowship with one another. And it's pretty good, isn't it? Our fellowship is fantastic. Sometimes people get a little bit disconcerted and they're not happy about something or other and somehow or other... You know, Human nature is, uh, if you're not happy, it's somebody else's fault. It's never mine. It's, it's somebody else. If they said this and they said that and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that. But, um, you know, the Lord says, come on, don't be a baby. Grow up and face up to it. If, you, if you're not happy, well, uh, ask the Lord to show you why you're not happy. We know that sometimes people have health issues and that can be very debilitating and so on. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I want to uh, draw attention to that a little bit more as well as we go along. Uh, If we go back to uh, the book of Hebrews just for a moment, (coughs) excuse me, Hebrews and chapter 1, and uh, we start reading there. In verse 1, and it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past under the fathers by the prophets, so God over the years had sent his message from uh, various prophets that he'd raised up with a direct, direct message from him, but he has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things and by whom also he made the worlds, which is confirming what we've read a couple of other places here already. And talking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And that's, uh, that's a wonderful little passage there. Um, actually, my investigation uh, reveals that what is, is, uh, uh, recorded here as express image is really one word, and it's the word character, and, uh, and, and which I believe is in the Greek is similar to the way we use the word character, and so it is really saying to us that Jesus was the brightness of God's glory, and He was also the exact replica of the character of God. He showed us in human form. Um, and when we talk about the word, the word is, uh, of course, something that is spoken, logos in the Greek, and uh, it is God's way of expressing himself to us. Now, he'd, he'd sent the prophets. He uh, uh, Over the centuries, uh, you read the, right through the Old Testament, they each had a message for their generation, uh, and God was trying to tell them things and warn them and and bring them back into his fold if they went astray. But last of all, he decided they weren't listening to uh, to, to the people who brought a message from him, and they were imperfect people themselves. But he said, I will send my son, and he will show you exactly by a living example. And you don't have to worry about trying to interpret it whether this word means this and that means that. You're going to see my son. He's going to be there in the flesh and you'll be able to draw from that that he is the perfect example of exactly the way I want you to aim to live your lives. And he also said, well, if you feel you can't do it, if you're still under the old law, I'm going to bring my spirit to dwell inside of you and Christ will be living within you and God will be able to express himself through us and we'll be able to tell people what he said, and we'll be guided by the Spirit, and we'll be able to shine forth as uh, lights in this dark world. Anyway, it goes on to say, he was the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, and he was upholding all things by the word of his power. His, His word is so powerful that it created the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and god spoke and he said let there be light and there was light that's how powerful that his word is when god says something things happen and uh, so and god is continuing to speak to us and what he is particularly concerned about in the gospel age which we're still living in for the time being well that has a huge impact on us it gets rid of our old life we, uh, we I think we read there yes that uh, in first john that um, um, did I read that verse of the blood of Christ did I read that anyway I should it it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin that's what he does uh, and it says when he had by himself purged our sins he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high and that's where he is right now when Jesus uh, in Mark 16 we read there they went forth and preached everywhere, and the Lord was taken up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He's there now as our high priest, interceding on our behalf. Okay, so uh, let's go back to 1 John. Um so I want to take you, 1 John, and this time to chapter 5. We read in verse 1. Who believe Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him, that begat love of him, but is also begotten of him. Now there's verses like this that some people take hold of and say, there you are, I believe on Jesus Christ, so therefore I'm born again. But let's read on. And it goes on to say, By this we know that we are the children of God, when we love God and we keep his commandments. So a lot of people who uh, claim that they, they're saved, that they're, they're born again, uh, but when God tells them to do something, they say, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And uh, so the Lord says here, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, and one of the big things that people stumble over is about getting baptised because deep down we all know uh, instinctively that getting baptised is a commitment. And um, in my case, I received the Holy Spirit before I was baptised. I had the first meeting I ever went to. I had no intention of uh, doing anything. I was a Methodist and that was what I was going to stay. And, uh, I went along with somebody else and um he received the spirit and told me I came back two nights later and I received and I was thrilled to bits it was an amazing experience could totally transform your life and I look back on that as the turning point in my life from then on I knew what my life was going to be and it's been great And um, but they said about getting baptised and I thought Ooh, I don't know about that I, um, I was christened as a baby And um, they called that baptism. I guess it happened to me, I don't remember. And the mother said I had been uh, christened, and so she didn't tell me lies. And so I knew that happened. I probably bawled my eyes out, I don't remember. Um, Anyway, I don't know whether I did or not. But all sorts of things happening when people get christened. But anyway, um, so anyway, I thought there must be something in the Bible that says about christening babies. And so I furiously looked through my Bible, and I'm still looking. It ain't there. And so I got, I got spirit-filled on a Tuesday night, and the next Sunday there was going to be a baptism at the sea near Sajuna. And um, and I was sort of running against time because I, I wanted to be with these people where I'd received the Spirit, but um, and others were receiving as well. And so every time I opened the Bible, it told me to get baptised. So in the end, I did, along with about 10 other people. And that was the beginning of the revival in Seduna. And in many ways, it was the beginning of the revival uh, in our fellowship in South Australia, because the story was, and many of you know that uh, my wife Janet and her sister Helen Duncan and other sister. Um, Lorraine Capon uh, the three sisters they and their parents were in Geelong they came to the Lord there and, and their mother she was a, a very quiet lady but very determined and one of the first things she said we've got to go and tell the relatives in South Australia because Janet and her mother have both been born in Sedona so a few months later Janet and her mother came over to visit relatives they had a lot living around this area they didn't listen uh, but they went to Sejuna and one of janet's cousins received the spirit when they prayed for him and so it was this quiet little lady uh mrs mack as many uh, remember her she said we've got to go and tell the relatives so in some ways you might say that god used her to trigger a revival that was going to save my soul and maybe indirectly a lot of other souls as well because it spread from so to port lincoln to adelaide and we've been here ever since anyway <coughs> praise the lord so how far did i get um yeah down here so we've got to do what we're told verse four for whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith For well, who is he that overcometh the world but he that believes that jesus is the son of god and so Uh, It's our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ as our Saviour and Lord, as the creator of the universe and the one who's a a shepherd of us as sheep of of God's fold. And uh, so as we exercise faith in him and we put our trust in him, you know, the reason why some people, I think quite a lot of people, sadly, that are spirit-filled and not happy is because they don't know how to rest in the Lord. They don't, They seem to think that, oh yeah, I know God will solve all my problems, but they think, oh, I don't like the way he's solving it, i better give him a hand, and they mess the whole thing up. So if, my advice to people, which I think is a scriptural one, I'm not quite sure which verses I should be using, probably lots of them, <clears throat> is if this is a problem in your life, and you can fix it, well, go ahead and fix it. But if you can't fix it, pray about it and leave it to the Lord. That's simple enough, isn't it? And I try to live by that principle and I think I've learned a few things over the years and in many ways, um, I sort of feel more content now than I ever have. And I know the Lord's coming back soon and, uh, you know, I keep listening for the trumpet and, and all that sort of thing, but by the grace of God, I've learnt that... Um, to, to trust in the Lord. The battle is not mine, it's God's. I think you, most of you know the story about the daughter of Christine who's married to Pastor Chris and um, she was healed when she was a baby and we were told she wouldn't survive when she was three days old. But we opened our Bibles and saw the story about King Jehoshaphat where the prophet said, don't, you don't need to fight. The battle's not yours, it's God's. And so uh, we took that and we, we, we put our trust in that and God healed her. And so it's been a favourite verse of mine ever since. And all sorts of things in life, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's because you're upset with the neighbour and keep burning the rubbish, or that doesn't happen so much these days, you're not allowed to, when you've got the clothes on the lawn. That's one of the big issues that's been solved by our, our government anyway. Anyway, I don't know what else they've done, but anyway. So let's get back to this. Uh, but I want to get onto this here, uh, verse six. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. And uh, that's uh, that's that, that's very important. Uh, by by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. It's actually talking about getting baptized in the water. I was trying to see, I had another translation who actually clearly says that, but that's what it's talking about. Jesus was baptised in the water, and he came up out of the water, and the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove, and the other thing about Jesus that I uh, wanted to mention, you read straight on from there, the next thing, the Spirit led him out into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days, fasting, <coughs> and, uh, and he was tempted. He went through a trial. And quite often we do go through a trial. And uh, and there'll be things that come up. But we need to go through trials. And uh, we need to learn to, to win in these trials by putting our trust in the Lord. And so on. Anyway, um, so where did I get to? Uh, not by uh, water. This is he that came by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, uh, the Son, that is, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. Look at this, the Spirit and the water and the blood. The Holy Spirit getting baptised in water and being cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'll read it again. It says, the three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. Jesus' blood was shed for us. We get baptised in water to acknowledge our desire to follow him. And the Holy Spirit comes in and seals the whole contract. And it says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. This is the witness of God that he testified of his son. And it goes on to say, I oh, e yeah, verse eleven, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And so we have the Christ within us now, and that is uh, what we should always remember. Okay, let's go back to Hebrews and chapter four this one verse i want to read here <clears throat> hebrews chapter 4 and we read in verse 12 for the word of god is quick it doesn't mean you've got to run it down every time you want to read it it's uh, it's there and it's uh I have other verses here somewhere oh here it is the word of god is is quick Uh, and it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but everything is open under the eyes of him we have to do. And so I'll read this from another translation, but the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. (laughs) It, it, it sort of it troubles me. I, I, I guess I've been to meetings over those 65 years when I've sat there listening to someone else and, uh, <coughs> and, and and not enjoying it all that much and sort of thinking, oh, when I ramble on too long, well, this is a lesson for me. I'm still trying to learn that lesson. But, uh, <coughs> that, you know, the majority of the time, people say, oh, didn't like that one, and... And, you know, the house meetings, they get some guy up there that you can hardly read anything and, you know, what he says is boring. I never find it boring because they're reading out of the Bible. And, uh, and, and that's always good. Anyway, let's go on to read here. The word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative and energising and effective. That's what the Word of God does to us. It's not just about hearing the Gospel. It's about living the Gospel. It's about having the the Word of God continuing to operate in our lives to bring us towards perfection. We're not perfect. We've got to learn things, but there's a goal. The Lord wants us as we get closer and closer to that day to become more and more Christ-like. And It doesn't matter how long you live. You still won't be completely perfect. But when God says, oh, that's enough, he gives you a call and away you go. And there we go. So I'll read it again. The word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative. It works, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Wow. Ever done something, you've been really naughty and then you hear the word of God and it, oh, you know, he's watching. I've been found out sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating to the dividing line of the breath and soul he works out what you think you want to do what you really want to do and uh, the immortal spirit and of the joints and marrow really gets right down into your bones that is the deepest parts of our nature exposing and sifting (coughs) and, and analysing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart Now, that's why some people run away. But I don't want to run away from it. I'm doing something wrong. I seem to find out now when, you know, the Lord comes back, sorry, you know, I warned you many times and you wouldn't tidy your life up. You could do it. I would have helped you to do it. So if I'm doing something wrong, well... I want to know, but don't all queue up afterwards, please. You know, <clears throat> Pastor Jock's coming down here. So does want some time left for that. Okay. All right. Let's uh, see if we can... Uh, uh, the bill hasn't gone just yet. So we'll go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we read in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This doesn't sound like a suggestion. This is an order. Coming from the Apostle Paul. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in link- and kingdom. Preach the word. That's it. And I, I don't think, think this is very important. Sometimes, maybe even some of us when we're giving a talk, we sort of think, oh, I'd like to do something a bit different. And I've sort of been reading this article in this magazine and something thing that Mrs. Google has written or whatever, and uh, we'll do that, and <clears throat> well, okay, but to so illustrate well, that's okay, but the real power is in the Word of God, and uh, so anyway, so preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. that means to stand up and and be counted for the Word of God in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. The reason being why we need to do this, for the time will come, and we could say now the time has come, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heed to themselves, teachers having itching ears, and turn away their ears from the truth, and should be turned unto fables. Let me read this again from a different translation. (coughs) Verse (coughs) 2. Herald and preach the word. Herald, blow the trumpet. Here we are to tell you what God says. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be at hand and ready whether the opportunity seems to be favourable or unfavourable, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it be welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong, and convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible in patience and teaching. This is the teachers, for anyone who thinks they want to be a pastor, will read this again and see whether you are prepared to do it. For the time is coming when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction, but having ears itching, yeah i I think I got bitten by a little spider the other night. I didn't know what it was. I, I got itching from the arms and that sort of thing but I, <clears throat> next night when I was making my bed i I'm making a bed before I get into it it's anyway but i I'm, I'm a bachelor these days and I found a little black spider he, he won't do it again and uh, anyway and so it's people, some people are itching. And uh, fortunately I found some antihistamine tablet and that helped. For was something pleasing and gratifying. Somebody finding things that are a little bit irritating. Why am I being pressured to, to do this? Please go away. I'll find somewhere else. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors that they hold. And and this is why we've got to stick to the word of God. We're not to budge from it. We're to, to uphold the principles. We're to be fed from the wonderful food that's in there. We are to encourage each other. We're to, we're to, to, to encourage and enlighten and forgive each other if there's been a, a fault. And it says that they will then turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions conspiracy theories, and all sorts of stuff. You know, if people want to draw us into a debate about conspiracy theories, well, they might be right and they won't be wrong. Who cares? We shouldn't care. What if the world is being conspired on by all sorts? I've had all sorts of conspiracy theories over the over the years. There's been the, the Egyptian Jews and there's been the Jesuits and, and all these uh, different people that come up with all sorts of things. Well. What's that got to do with us? We've got the truth. So we just go on and tell that and let them go off and waste their time with all this other nonsense. And it says they'll they'll turn them these man-made fictions. As for you, be calm and cool and steady. Well, it was easy for me. I've been a cool man all my life. So anyway, it's... Over. And for you be calm and cool and steady, accept and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. I can't claim that Lord has done that. Do the work of an evangelist. We've got to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not very good at personal witnessing. I mean, after all those years, I've witnessed to lots of people and not many of them come to the Lord. But I seem to come in afterwards. If I've had the privilege, in spite of being not very effective, at personal evangelism, I've had the privilege of standing up on the platform many times and seeing many people come to the Lord. And in spite of my preaching, they come to the Lord because I'm reading out of the Bible. And so, and there's a, be calm and cool and steady, accept and suffer, unflinchingly every hardship, I read all of that. And i better finish because I think I've run out of time but I do want to read this one in 1 Corinthians and chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is where Paul is writing here. I read a lot from Paul. Um, And uh, he's saying in verse, uh, verse 19, For though I be free from all men, Yet if I made myself a servant unto all, that I might gain the more? Under the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. What he's simply saying is to, and I believe this is, Something that the word we can put in here is called listening, and that we should listen. If we if we know somebody is died in the Wool Catholic or a Jehovah's Witness, you might know a little bit about what it's about. And, but if you don't know somebody, it's a good thing to get them talking, and uh, and and then you find out what's uh, what you're dealing with, and so on. And so Paul said that he he did all of this. And the, uh, the goal was to save as many as he possibly could. He, he knew that Jesus said, go into all the world and preach to everybody. And so um, we want to be able to to save some. Um, in verse 22, another translation of the weak wanting in discernment, I've become weak wanting in discernment. But I, you know, I understand how you're coming from. You, you go with them to find out where they're at, and then you leave them in, but make sure they don't trap you into what they're doing. Um, it says, um, at all costs and in every way, save some by winning them to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, and so that's what we need to do. But this little warning later in this same passage, is I think a lot of evangelists, people, are, we call them evangelists, but some people are very good at bringing others along, and but I think sometimes they go too far, trying to understand the other person. Say so like um, I might just go into the pub and and have a shandy, with the with uh, the young ones. That, that's I believe that's a sort of mixture of grog and and uh, and something else that's less harmful, um, and and so on. Well, you probably finish up even more than a shandy, after a while or whatever it is. But um, uh, so but we. We've got to lead people out. And so I think some people who've been very effective in bringing others along sometimes get drawn into the, the, the ideas and the, the practices and all this sort of, got to hang out with the guys. Leave the missus at home and I'll hang out with the guys and and there's not long and there's, oh, you know, you haven't had to drink with us for a while. Come on, mate. And all this sort of thing. Well, that's stupid. What about your poor little lady at home? So anyway, all these sort of things. And so if we get drawn away and uh, we can finish up missing out, and that's what Paul says here in verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. So we've, this, is, this is our race, individually. God has saved us, he's put us on a journey, and he wants to be with us and encouraging us and coaching us along the way. I remember being in the athletics race when I was going to boarding school and, um, well, I thought I was winning. But um, that's another story. I started my run, two, it was twice around the oval, whatever that is, round the back straight and I'm out the way ahead of all the rest of them, all the people in my team there, they're all shouting, good on you, John. But I came into the last straight and the next thing, whoosh, 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 well, all these others went past. And I'd run out of puff. So anyway, so uh, what's that got to do with this? Nothing. Anyway, but every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. He has temperance. He has self-control. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. People will run in the Olympics or whatever so they can get a reward. But our crown is eternal life. I therefore so run not as one uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. You know, flashing around. And I was telling a brother just before the meeting that the last fight I had, uh, I won by a 100 metres. And they uh, didn't get that. Sorry, you all have gone to sleep. So fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when I am priest to others I myself should be a castaway.